Good morning, and welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to respond to God's goodness, to God's work for us in the person of Christ. And so welcome to all of us who are gathering in person, and also I want to say welcome to those who are joining us online. And we trust by God's Spirit that He's joining us and gathering us as one people in the name of Christ. And so as we begin, I just want to share a few announcements, things happening in the life of the church. So I uh, hope you have grabbed the Ower Worship on the way in. If you need one, they're at the table. Also, uh, that's where communion, the, the prepackaged communion supplies are if you need to grab one. But uh, in the inside cover of the order, there's information about children's classes and things that are happening today and the life of the church, and also some information just about the service. Um, a reminder that we're having a little shorter services than normal during this time. It'll be about 50 minutes long, and we're asking people to wear masks uh, throughout the time they're in the building. A couple other things that we have a time of fellowship after church, so I encourage you to head outside and over by the parking lot, there'll be a table there set up with coffee and uh, some snacks and some water, and so hopefully you can stay after, a chance to get to know each other better or see each other and catch up. Um, One other thing to mention, that World Relief, thank you for all the people who donated to the welcome kits. We're so glad to be able to offer two welcome kits to World Relief as they welcome families as they get settled again here in the Chicago area. And so if you have, still have items to drop off, you can bring them to the church office uh, during the week, or you can always try, you know, bring them on a Sunday if need be, or you can talk to uh, Monica uh, Johnson about making a time to do that. But if you signed up and haven't brought one, your items in yet, please go ahead and do that so we can pass them on t- to World Relief. Uh, at this time, children that are dis- participating in the preschool class or children's worship, or you also see there is a junior high class and an older elementary class, they can head to the back. The younger kids will go to the, the back door down to the basement, and the, the older kids can head over here to the, to the entrance uh, to the sanctuary, and they'll head to their class there. Well, before our call to worship, I want to invite Will Atkins to come up. Will is going to come up and share uh, just briefly about uh, discipleship groups here at the church and ways that you can be part of that and grow in your connection to others and into your, your faith in Christ. Thanks, Will. share about uh, my experience with the discipleship group that we were just a part of um, over the last few weeks. So um, we were a group that met uh, for four weeks in um, August and September, uh, and really Brian reached out and just kind of said, hey, we're looking to start this group of people that would meet, study the scripture together, and just kind of fellowship with each other, and um, didn't know exactly what that meant, but, you know, I was uh, looking forward to meeting some people and getting to know other people in the church. Um, especially given COVID and kind of having the the separation that we've dealt with and some of the um, things that go along with that, not being able to be in as much community. So that was really appealing to me. Uh, So basically what we did is um, for four weeks, we would spend, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes or so reading a passage together, just reflecting on it. There was no homework or anything like that. We just went in, read it, and then talked about it. How did it make us feel? How did we react to it? Uh, And put ourselves in that story and, and try to relate to it in some way. Um, and it was, it was just really open discussion. We could talk about whatever was on our minds there. Um, and then we spent the majority of the time together just talking about you know, what's going on in our lives. And it could be anything. Everybody had a set amount of time where it was their turn to share. 
you know, something that you're thinking about, something that you just went through, um, something that's troubling you, something that you're excited about, whatever it was, it was your time to really share uh, what was on your mind. And then we just responded to that and prayed for each other, asked questions, talked about it together. Um, yeah, and it was just a really good, good experience. Brian did a great job of breaking it up in a way that uh, everybody had time to share. There was no one that was dominating any conversation. No one was um, kind of sitting in the corner quietly. Everybody was really active. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was really encouraging. So I think a couple of the things that I got out of it personally, just my own experience was, was one, like I said, just getting to be with other people. Um, you know, it was a group of people who some I knew, some I didn't know. Uh, you know, different ages, different stages of life and career, some with kids, some without, so it was really a wide group. Um, and just getting to kind of be a part of each other's lives for that period of time and get to know each other in a, in a deeper way um, was just really fulfilling. And then the second thing I would say just for me personally, it was, it was very therapeutic in a way, just to, just to be there and be able to talk openly and, um, you know, judgment-free space and, uh, and be able to you know, have people pray for me and encourage me. Um, it was very fulfilling, and I always left feeling very encouraged and supported after that. So, um, yeah, I would definitely encourage anybody if that sounds interesting to you. Um, I had a great experience with it, and, and I think uh, it could be rewarding for a lot of other people, too. So. Thanks, Will. Um, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about those, you can talk to Brian. Pastor Brian he can tell you more about it, and you can email him or talk to him. So let's take a moment now as we prepare for the call to worship. To, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. worship today is from Psalm 6. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is great, great troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I flood my bed with tears. I drench my, my couch with my weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. 
for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my prayer. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. pray together. Almighty God, you who led your people out of Egypt, out of enslavement and darkness to that certain place of promise, to be your covenant people, to love you, to love our neighbors with the same self-giving, sacrificial love. In our worship this morning, draw near to us, God. God, remind us this morning that we are your sons and daughters, that we, that we share in your life and glory, that we share in your sufferings. And strengthen us as we carry our own crosses. Give us faith when we experience the hate, the scorn of those around us. We pray for your, your, for your people in this church, in the city, in our world, that they would know the peace and the comfort and the power of your spirit in the midst of trial and pain. And Father, we know that Jesus is our elder brother, leading us into honesty and humility, who leads us away from retaliation, from, from bruised threats, who laid down his life to bring us close. 
to make us new people, full of freedom to bear witness to your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So we come to you now in faith, and we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession, a time to acknowledge with God our, our sin and our need of him, and also to receive his immense mercy. So we'll do this together as a church and then have a time of quiet, personal confession. Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord? My rights have been disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow, we grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and increases the strength of the weary. Lord, in our weariness and discouragement, let us remember your word. Even the young shall grow weary, but they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Please take a moment of quiet personal confession. Gracious God, we are thankful that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we give thanks with joy in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, having confessed our sin, let's stand together to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Psalm 31. Let's join together. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul, and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place.
felicidad. The Old Testament lesson is from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let, let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are, who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. The New Testament lesson is from the epistle of 1 John, chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God, that he has, that he has born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, and this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm thankful for a chance to gather and to worship together. Thank you, Ozzy, for, for reading the uh, for scriptures for us. You'll note in the order of worship that we're going to continue in our series this fall from looking at John 13 through 17. In these chapters, Jesus has stepped out of the public and has gathered his friends, his disciples, to give final words and prayers before he is betrayed, arrested, and killed. And in these words, we have a chance to hear and think about the nature and mission 
of the church. Earlier in chapter 15, just to set some context, uh, earlier in this chapter, Jesus has called his disciples his friends. You are my friends. And as part of this special identity, Jesus tells them, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, specifically that you should do so by loving one another. Well, Jesus has called them his friends, and now we come in our passage to Jesus offering a warning. The world has hated me, and because you are my friends, the world will hate you as well. So let's hear these words from Jesus. They are from John 15, 18 through 27. You can follow in your order or your Bible or listen as I read. Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. This is God's word. It's given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage, there's three questions I want us to to ask as we move through it. What is meant by the world? How did the world receive Jesus? And what is our relationship to the world? So let's start with that first one. What does Jesus mean by the world? Might be a strange place to start, but I want to mention a post I recently saw about Dr. Pepper. (laughs) There was a post that someone put up saying they had never had Dr. Pepper, the soda, and asking people to describe what it tastes like. Well, as you you might imagine, there was thousands of responses about what Dr. Pepper tastes like, both positive and negative, and some people wrote things like, it's like root beer plus cherry soda, it's Pepsi with a hint of prune juice mixed in. My one I liked the best was, it's like barbecue water. It's barbecue water. I don't know how you feel about Dr. Pepper, but I mentioned that random thing because it gets this idea, many people posted, well, it's really hard to describe. It's hard to put into words. And we might say something similar to this word, the world in the Bible. What is meant by the world? It has many, many layers to it, and it might be hard for us to kind of get a handle on that. And maybe it actually relates to our experience. I imagine some of us, we have the experience that the world is beautiful, but yet broken. That it's deeply compelling at times, but also crushing. What does Jesus mean by the world? Well, on the one hand, 
we affirm what Jesus, what he's saying is that the world belongs to God. God created all things, and all things are made to live in connection with God. And we, as God's image bearers, are called to represent God, to enjoy his good creation, and to care for it. But when we think about the world, we also have to acknowledge that we have failed to do so. So on the other hand, we affirm with Jesus that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. It's twisted by our disregard and disloyalty, by our transgressions or shortcomings. The scriptures, when trying to grasp you know, what has happened in the world, it gives us a variety of images for human sin, that we've missed the target, that we've wandered from the path, that we've left our fold, our, our true home, that hard hearts have been closed to what is true, that we've chosen over and over again what will not satisfy. And as a consequence, the world, the world is shaped not only by God's good design, but also by human rebellion, by our doubting of God's goodness and seeking out our own gods. It's this manner, it's, this, it's what this that Jesus has in mind when he uses the term the world here. The world is a, a sphere, it is a kingdom, <clears throat> is an alternative system built on false gods in opposition to the true God and God's ways. That's what Jesus <clears throat> is saying here. The world is this opposition. And he's not just referencing one time or one culture, one group rather inviting us through this term to see that all individuals, all communities, all systems express allegiance to the world in different ways. And Jesus entered into the world, into this place of brokenness, and what happened? The second question we can ask as we hear Jesus here is, how was he received? And he uses words, right? Hatred, persecution, hostility, rejection. Jesus actually quotes from Psalm 69 to describe his experience. In the psalm it says, More in number than the hairs on my head are those who hate me for no reason, with no cause. How was Jesus received? Well, he's inviting us by what he's saying here to, to see that when he comes with his words and with his actions, that it brings forth a revelation. Do you notice how much he talks about him coming, him speaking, him doing things? And it, what it does is it reveals our condition. It reveals the guilt of the world. It reveals the fact that the world is now twisted by humans seeking other things. We, we can consider our own experience. We, we know this, what Jesus is pointing to. Even when we know what is right, how often do we not choose it? Even when we know that we are in the wrong, how often is our response to, to twist or to deny or to justify ourselves? Even when we know that we should help someone and we know how we could help them, 
many times we choose not to. You see what Jesus is saying here, that when his, he came and when he spoke and when he acted, it revealed the rebellion and the brokenness and the turning away of the human heart. That individually and collectively, we saw other things that were not true. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. See, he's, he's highlighting this reality. It's upsetting when someone doesn't do what's expected. It's upsetting when someone doesn't follow the assumed practices. When one doesn't chase what is declared what matters. And it sparks anger. And Jesus is saying that is the role that he played in entering the world, is to reveal such realities. In Jesus, the light of the world came, but we prefer the darkness. Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Jesus' arrival reveals one's relationship to the world. And all of this hatred that he speaks of, this rejection, this anger because he does not pursue the things the world says matters, all of it came to full expression where? Where does it come to full expression? It's in the cross, right? All of this that Jesus is talking about comes to full embodiment in the cross where the righteous one is rejected, where the Son of God, the one who has God's favor, is declared a fool and a criminal and one who needs to be silenced. We prefer to hold on to our own ways. So Jesus tells us about the world and Jesus speaks about what it was like for him to enter into it. And it brings us to a third question. What is our relationship to the world? And this is a chance for us to enter in with the disciples and think about how it is that we are relating to the world around us. You see, these chapters of John, maybe you've noticed in earlier, but especially here, that it paints this very interesting relationship between the world and the followers of Jesus. In fact, just a little plug, our, our class that's coming up in a couple of weeks that Adonijah is going to lead is about this topic, about our relationship to the world. So if you're interested, you should come to the Tuesday night class. <laughs> but these chapters highlight this interesting relationship. Earlier, Jesus has described his followers as his own people who are in the world, those on whom he has set his love, and he said, I chose you out of the world and I appointed you to bear good fruit that will abide. You see, Jesus speaks not only of hate, but of the calling that he has on our life. Jesus' disciples are to be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus' disciples are to love the world, God's creation, our neighbors, one another, God himself but they are not to love the ways of the world. The New Testament picks this up over and over again. In 1 John, we hear, don't love the world's ways. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, these things have nothing to do with the Father and they isolate you from Him. Or in James 4, 
Friendship with the world means enmity against God. A friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And I think I want us to dwell a little bit on that topic of friendship. We can think about our circles of relationships. The Scriptures invites us to think about those different categories by introducing the the term neighbor. Everyone that we ever meet, everyone in our life is a neighbor, even our enemies. But friends, we know about friends. It's a smaller circle. It communicates intimacy, loyalty, sharing, sharing resources or possessions, sharing understanding and care, sharing the same story or the same understanding or outlook of the world. In the Scripture, the idea of friendship here is to share uh, a logic or an understanding of how things are. And to be a friend of the world, to be a friend of the world is to share that logic. I'm on my own. To have more is to be more. In fact, the most important judgment of one's life is how much one has. Others are there often as obstacles to what I want or maybe as objects to use for my desires or my vision for my life. I couldn't, we, we could think of the, the friendship logic of the world. Along with the ones I said, what else comes to mind? That to be secure means that there is violence, that you're pushing away others. Or that beauty is all about being young or looking young. That your value is measured in your productivity, whether in school or in your work or even in your family sometimes. What can you accomplish? What can you get done? How much can you avoid asking for help? Or that following yourself or your desires is always above the community or accountability to others or accountability to God. This is the logic of the world. And Jesus is saying here, inviting us to think how a bad friend the world is. To use and to cast away For he invites us into something different, for the friendship with Christ is very different. Our friendship with Christ begins in his grace towards us. I chose you out of the world. Jesus, in his grace and love, establishes a friendship that changes everything. United to him, we are no longer belonging to the world and no longer subject to its evaluations, its values, or it's logic about what matters. And what Jesus is asking us to consider is that tension between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. To think about our relationship to the world, for Jesus invites us to follow him, to belong to him and not to the world. And therefore, this world can be a challenging and potentially a hostile place for all those who profess Christ as their friend. As their friend. And it's in that tension as we draw to a close 
that I think it's worth hearing Jesus' words again. He tells us to take up our cross and follow him. Take up your cross and follow me. The cross, of course, is an image of self-denial and of following someone else. But remember, it's also the very point in which Jesus was rejected by the world. The one who loved the Father and loved his people, he entered the world, and the world's judgment was to deem him a fool, one who did not belong here. And therefore, to take up your cross means for us to identify with him, identify and bear witness to the one who was hated, who one who was determined as someone who did not belong. Scripture makes clear to us a distinction between suffering for doing right and suffering because you did something wrong. Pastor Brian and I were talking about this passage, and one way you could summarize it is to be hated for the right reasons. <laughs> be hated for the right reasons. We know in our life and in the history of the church, there are reasons that the world is displeased with us because we went along with the world or we were evil ourselves. But Jesus is saying, take up your cross and identify with me. Be generous with your resources. Worship Christ alone. See your life as meaning to serve others in his name. Offer forgiveness to those who hurt you. Offer patience and kindness to those who are suffering. Live forth as his kingdom. Take up my, your cross and follow me. Let us live with Christ, knowing that in him we are following the one that the world despised. The world hated for no cause. But in him we have a friend that will last forever. A friend that sees us and knows us and loves us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your word. And I pray that you would minister to us by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to walk in courage as we follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. stand with us and we'll sing together.
to give him thanks and praise. We praise you, God of steadfast love, because you raise us up when we fall and place our feet on steady ground. We are strengthened, we remember your faithfulness, and therefore we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. During this time, instead of coming forward to receive communion, we're participating through these uh, prepackaged elements. If you're planning on taking communion, uh, I invite you to go ahead and prepare those. If, does anyone need one? Will can bring some to, to you. Just raise your hand. Okay, if you can go ahead and prepare those. Christ invites us to come to his table. And this table is, is a picture of our, of our passage in many ways. That in this world, this world, kingdom of the world, Jesus entered in love and grace and truth, establishing his kingdom, establishing a table, a table in which sinners could come welcomed as sons and daughters justified by God's grace, a table in which those who were separated by lines of division now were called brothers and sisters a table of generosity in which we know our place and our value rests in God and God's creation and God's grace, not in our productivity. This is the table of Christ. And if you know of your need and your sin before God, that you're often one who chases the world, and that you have faith in Christ, you've put your faith in him, then this table is for you. It's set for sinners who have found their life and hope in Christ. So I invite us to come and to participate. If you're not participating today, I invite you just to take a moment to look and reflect on what this table says about who God is and his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this bread and cup, and we pray that you set them apart and that by your spirit you administer to us through them. Lord, remind us this day of the truth of your kingdom, the truth of your family, the enduring nature of your word and the work of Christ for us. Let us rest in our friendship with you. Meet us wherever we are this day and lift our heads, not because of what we promised to do, but because of your grace and love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was to make us whole. Let's eat in faith.
Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. Lord, we thank you for this bread and cup that remind us that you are our creator. We thank you for this table that reminds us that you are our redeemer, our recreator in Christ. Let us walk in your ways that we may love one another and love our neighbors in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me that we can respond to the table. Lord Jesus Christ, you are our true rest and shelter. By your spirit, help us to be imitators of God, walking in love and obedience to you. Let us rest in your grace and promise of life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. doxology and closing blessing, just a reminder, we're not passing the offering plates at this time, but you can give to the work of the church by the plates in the back of the sanctuary, or you can give online uh, through the church website and invite you to, to do so in responding to God's generosity. Let's now join together in the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Raise him As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. May go in peace.